You're listening to Buzzing with Miss B, the coaching podcast, where we believe that every teacher deserves a coach, and every coach does too. I'm Chrissy Beltran, an instructional coach, resource creator, and coffee enthusiast. And I'm your host. Stay tuned for practical tips and honest coaching talk that will help you coach with confidence. Hey coaches, it's Chrissy from Buzzing with Miss B and you're listening to episode 18, Ways to Get in the Door. <laughs> this episode is going to give you ideas about how to get into those classrooms, even when the door has been slammed in your face, which hopefully has not literally happened, but it is possible. <clears throat> so a couple of things that I need you to remember. As a coach, you are a guide, okay? Being the coach means that you are establishing empathy and credibility to build trust so that you can support and grow teachers. You are pushing them while providing support. Pushing, providing support, okay? You have to show empathy and credibility in order for people to welcome you into their rooms. They have to believe that you care about them, that you know what they're struggling with, that you know what it's like to be a teacher. You can never forget this or teachers will hate you. <laughs> and that you are knowledgeable and that you will be able to help them. If you're just empathetic, they won't believe that you can help them. If you're just credible, they won't believe that you care. So you have to do both in order to build trust so that people will actually have you in their rooms, okay? So I'm gonna give you six different tips that will help you, different ways that you can use to get into a classroom where the door has been closed on you, okay? And I really recommend that you choose one and try it out with one of those tricky rooms and see how it goes. And if you do, I want to hear from you. I want you to share on Instagram using the hashtag buzzing about coaching so that I can see how these tips are impacting your coaching work because I want to know if you're implementing any of these ideas. So definitely take a photo if you try something out. Um, you could even just do a selfie of, of your happy face because it made you happy that it worked. <laughs> and then share it with a hashtag buzzing about coaching and tag me buzzing with Miss B so I can see how you're trying this stuff out. Okay, so here's my first method for getting into a classroom that has not welcomed your support yet. Um, clarify your role, okay? This can look like a couple of different things. It can be a whole group presentation, like a slideshow presentation where you introduce the different things that you can do as a coach and what your place is in the faculty, okay? You want to distinguish yourself from administration and you want to share that your role is instructional support and pedagogical support, okay? That's one way that you can do it as a whole with a whole group is with a PowerPoint. And I actually have one of those in my store. If you check out the coaching slideshow presentation, um, that's a pow editable PowerPoint where you can add in anything that you need. It's also in keynote format, by the way, for you Mac people such as myself. Um, you can add in anything that's not there, that any other sort resources that you are able to offer or tools or roles, and you can also take stuff out. If there's something that you're like, oh, that's not quite what I do, I wanna pull that out because I don't want any confusion, then you can pull that stuff out to make sure that you're representing yourself properly, okay? The second way that you can do this is a coffee with a coach. Coffee with a coach is optional though. So unless you do it in a place where everybody's going to go through, like the lunchroom, for example, you aren't necessarily gonna get those tough cookies, 
Okay. <laughs> Those classrooms where they're like, eh, eh. Okay. But you will start making some inroads with people. So coffee with a coach is, or you can also do cupcakes with a coach or cookies with a coach or really anything. I mean, you, if, if you've got a really lax school district, you could do cocktails with a coach. And I feel like that one might be the most effective, but you have to really look into, you know, <laughs> your code of ethics. <laughs> anyway, so Coffee with a coach is you set up a nice little coffee table like a treat in the in the teacher's lounge or in your room and you have, you know, like little syrups and and um, fancy creamers and stuff like that. And so people can pop in and get a nice little coffee and then they can sit with you for a few minutes and you can just chat with them about how you can support them and how you can help them in their own classroom. Okay, so it's like a low key, nice, smooth way to get people into your room and to start um, building a relationship with those who would like your support. And then you can kind of see, well, who's left? (laughs) Who didn't come to coffee with a coach, right? (laughs) Because then you'll you'll know where your work really is. Once you have a one to one with these people, whether that's a coffee with a coach or any other time, if you schedule a time to visit with someone, you can use a coaching menu. Okay, and so a coaching menu actually dictates exactly what your roles and responsibilities are so people could choose items off of that for coaching support, just like a menu, right? So whenever you're using a coaching menu, that's great for introducing what you can do. But you also want to know with this person one-on-one, what do they expect from you as a coach or what do they envision coaching to be? So you could say something like, what do you perceive my role here to be? Or what is it that you're looking for in a coach? And so you can kind of affirm or clarify depending on what they say. And it gives you a really good starting point because if they say something like, well, I think that you you make purchases and you distribute materials, you can say, well, I mean, yeah, I actually do those things. But my main purpose here is, and then you can introduce what you're mostly supposed to be doing. So this can be a really good way to open the door and to figure out what misconceptions people have about coaching. Now, if you say, what do you perceive my role here to be? And they say something that hurts your feelings, which could happen, right? Um, You could try to take a step back and imagine where that's coming from. Could they have heard a rumor? Could you have made a mistake? Because we've all made mistakes, even even inadvertent ones, right? I mean, that's why they're mistakes. Um, Could they have had a bad experience in the past with a coach and that's what they're thinking? If you need more on that, actually, you can listen to the last episode, which was episode, well, not the last one, the one prior to that which was episode 16, two episodes ago, about um, understanding reasons for resistance and what to do about it. Because if a teacher is being really resistant and saying not very nice things, you might need to figure out where they're coming from before you can really do some coaching work with them, okay? So it's important to be specific when you're introducing your coaching role in this way. If they think that your role is to tell them what to do or to give them resources, you'll want to make sure you clarify that. Your role isn't to tell anybody what to do. It's really to support them in finding ways to meet their students' needs and the many demands of being a teacher, um, integrating best practices, you know. So then you can dig into what that looks like and offer them several choices for support. You've got your coaching menu there, or you can use another tool, but having something in writing is best. So you want to make sure that you're providing them with a visual of what they can choose from and ask them which kind of support they'd like to start with, and then set a date. Always set a date in that first meeting, because once they walk away from you, they've already moved on with their lives, (laughs) okay? So get that date in writing so that you can continue to follow up on, on this meeting that you had, okay? Hey coaches, I'm just gonna pop in here really fast because I wanna share something with you that I am so excited about. My course for elementary literacy coaches, The Confident Literacy Coach, is live. It's up and running and you can get access to it right 
now. So here's the deal. When I started out as a coach, I struggled. I had trouble defining my role and communicating it with teachers and administration. And I honestly didn't even know that was something I was going to have to do. I dreaded PLC days because getting my teachers to collaborate, to speak the same language and create lesson plans together was a total nightmare. And I was so stressed out by modeling and co-teaching in classrooms that I actually avoided it for a long time. It was not a happy time for me, (laughs) but things got so much better. I figured out processes to help my teams of teachers work together. I focused on best practices in reading and writing and identified some high impact strategies to support alignment on my campus. And I began to spend more time in classrooms after I planned thoroughly with teachers before lessons. Basically, I started coaching with confidence. This work and I've put it all together in one place so you can coach with confidence too. The Confident Literacy Coach is your one-stop shop for everything literacy coaching in elementary school. You'll learn how to define your role and communicate it to your administrator, what best practices you should spend your time on, and my process for collaborative planning plus so much more that will take your coaching life from frustrated and overwhelmed to effective and confident. You can check it out at buzzingwithmissb.com. Just click the Confident Literacy Coach at the bottom of the latest post and you'll learn exactly what's in the course and why it will change your coaching for the better. I can't wait to see you there. Method number two to get in the door is just pop in to check on how they're doing as a person. So in this tip, you're trying to help the teacher see you as a person who has empathy for them. Instead of having a reason to pop into their rooms, um, like dropping off tests or picking up data or um, saying, hey, don't forget PLC is tomorrow or something along those lines, just pop in to say, hey, how's it going? And you might not love what they what you they have to say to you, but being a non-judgmental, empathetic listening ear can show a teacher that you're there to help and not to demand or dictate. So bonus points if you take a treat because teachers love treats. I mean, who doesn't love a yogurt parfait or a cup of tea, right? If you pop in and say, hey, I thought of you today. I hope you have a good morning and drop off the treat. If this teacher thinks that you're out to get them, one of those cups of donut holes from Dunkin' Donuts or a water bottle with a crystal light packet can be like an olive branch to say, hey, I'm just popping in. I'm a human. You're a human. We can be nice to each other. <laughs> it's a way to build a relationship, you know, getting started very small. Method number three, you can offer to read aloud. So this one takes a little more time, but if you know a teacher is absolutely swamped, you can offer to help them out by reading aloud to their kids. Um, And that way they can do whatever task is most pressing. And so I wouldn't do this all the time. Don't make it a habit because we're here to support and covering classrooms for teachers to run copies will keep you from doing your main job, right? So this is really just a last resort way to get into that classroom when the door has been slammed in your face and you know the teacher does need some help, but you don't want to make it a habit. You want to make it clear, hey, just this one time I can do this because I can see that you've got a lot on your plate. So, you know, 20 minutes of your time could be what keeps that teacher from losing their minds this week. (laughs) And it could be the start of a relationship with that teacher. Method number four, this is a good one, okay? And I recommend it no matter where you are in your coaching experience or anything. You want to start with a friendly teacher. So you want to start your coaching cycle working with a teacher who's friendly or welcoming to your support because they can serve as a commercial or a starting point to build momentum for you to get into other classrooms. So here's what that looks like. 
you want to work with third grade teachers who are struggling in some area, right? And you're like, I really know that I can help them if they just let me in and they don't want you there. So then you look at one third grade teacher who's doing okay and she does want you there. And you say, you know what? I'm going to leverage this classroom to get into these other rooms. So you start working with that teacher on whatever it is that she's interested or he's they're interested in working on. And that teacher has good things to say about you because they see an impact in their classroom. And then you can say, you know, I would love to come work with you guys. Why don't we talk to Miss So-and-so or Mr. So-and-so and hear what they have to say about how the work went. And then that teacher can share about your coaching cycle that you did with them. And other people can see that you are not scary and you are not here to dictate or tattle, but you are actually there to support and make impact. And so sometimes having that person serve as a commercial can help you get into those tricky rooms. Method number five is goal setting. And this works across the board with every teacher, okay? Here's what it looks like. You're gonna get everybody to set a goal for themselves to grow in, okay? So first you share with the teachers that as professionals, we're always growing and we grow the most when we figure out the area we wanna grow in, right? We can work on so many different things, student engagement or building content knowledge, providing feedback or using formative assessments, Uh, planning to meet standards, bridging to the test, so much more, right? We can grow in so many areas. So teachers have to choose what it is that they're going to invest their mental energy in. And so you ask every teacher on your campus to create a personal goal that they would like to work towards. And you have them be specific and write it down. And then they give you a copy of this goal, okay? Then you figure out how to support each teacher in reaching their goal. So here are some examples. If a teacher wants to learn about reading genres, for example, then you can provide them with some planning support to help them identify the characteristics and strategies we need to know about for each genre. And you could also visit the school library together and find titles to support their planning that belong in different genres. Because sometimes teachers are like, you know, I just don't even know what books to read because I've never taught this. I've never taught drama before. So you can help them find the resources that they need. If, for example, they want to try using an interactive read aloud, then you can model this practice in their classroom and then you can co-teach a few lessons together. So that can initiate a coaching cycle that you do with this teacher because they said they wanted to grow in this area of read aloud. If they want to figure out how to build an effective assessment, then you can walk them through this process in a PLC. So you can set a PLC to respond to the needs that your teachers have. So why does this work? Why does it work well with everybody? Well, you've basically asked, where are you trying to grow? Instead of saying, this is where you need to try to grow. And then you have a reason to support them that they themselves have created. Because they've created this reason, they're more likely to try new things because they've expressed interest in it already. And you have a logical reason for being in their room, not to fix anything, but because they said they wanted to try something different. And it gets everybody in your campus involved without making coaching cycles a mandatory practice. You're not putting people on a rotation. You're just saying that you are going to establish a relationship with each teacher that's going to help them grow. So it's great. And bonus, it's personalized by teacher goals and differentiated because you're going to provide different types of support to different teachers. Then once you have your foot in every door, you can branch out to, to working with different topics and different practices that maybe were not on their goals, but they've started to build a relationship with you and they will hopefully see some impact of that relationship so that you'll be able to leverage that into future work. Okay, so this is method number six, and this is a really good one um, because 
if you have teachers who love to complain, uh, <laughs> and don't we all, um, you're going to you're gonna love this. The strategy is you listen for complaints, okay? And so I'm going to explain a little bit about what this sounds like. So this sounds like when teachers don't have a goal, but they have a million and one complaints, right? Um, they say things like, my kids can't stop talking, or my kids don't know how to revise, or my kids can't read on grade level, or my kids can't sit on the carpet, or even worse, these kids can't do all these things, right? So when you hear that as a coach, that can be really disheartening and you just feel like, oh, all they do is complain. They don't want to help. But sometimes a complaint can be a cry for help and the teacher just doesn't know how to do it. One time I had a teacher accuse me of not helping her even though I knew she was struggling. She said, you know I've been struggling with this. Why haven't you helped me with this? And I felt terrible because I hadn't, I guess on a, some level I did know she had been struggling, but she seemed like she didn't want help because all she wanted to do was complain. That's the way I felt about it, okay? That was my perspective. And in retrospect, I know those complaints were a cry for help. She was asking for help every day in the only way that she knew how. So we have to take those complaints as an opportunity. Okay, and so we're going to start with a complaint and we're going to turn it into a goal and a process for working with that teacher. So if the teacher says, my kids can't stop talking, you can say, you know what? Why don't we work on that together? We can figure out a classroom signal and a routine and we can practice it together to make sure that kids are prepared and to encourage them to control the volume and control the talking. And they might say, Ugh, I don't think it's going to work. You can say, you know what? What's the harm in trying it? Let's try it out right? And you set a date. If they say, my kids don't know how to revise, all they do is like create, it's like mark out one word and then they hand in their paper. You could say, you know what? One thing that I've seen that has worked for teachers is they've used a revision checklist. So why don't we set a date to work on that together? We can create a revision checklist and then I could even model it if you'd like and we can try it out with your kids. What do you think? Which day works best? And you can just push through the complaint by forming it into a goal, okay? If they say, my kids can't read on grade level, although they won't say it like that. They'll say, my kids can't read on grade level. <laughs> you can say, yeah, you know, let's take a look at their data and start with the data and then say, let's figure out what strategies we could teach that would help kids grow right from where they are. And would you like to put that together? We could co-teach that lesson. I could model a small group lesson for you, right? You want to initiate the support right away. If they say, my kids can't sit still on the carpet, you could say, okay, you know, that that is a real issue. I understand that. Um, why don't we work together to figure out a way to get kids to demonstrate appropriate behavior? We could set some expectations and we could model a lesson and they could practice that behavior during the lesson and we can make sure that it's working. So basically, you want to refuse that the complaint is the end of the conversation. The complaint can't shut down the conversation. The complaint has to actually be the, the impetus for moving that conversation forward. And it gets you in the position to be the support. Because if a person has a complaint, they have a problem. And you are there to help them work through problems, right? So make sure that you are listening for those complaints because you can use them to, as leverage to get yourself in those classrooms. So a couple of things I want you to, to know about here. Um, <clears throat> getting your foot in the door 
is an ongoing practice. Every year you're going to have new teachers. Every year you're going to have people who are not that excited to have you around. And sometimes your relationship with people will change and you're like, I did some work with her before, but I feel like I really need to get in there and support her some more. So this is going to be something you're going to be working in on an ongoing basis. Okay. And that's okay. That's normal. All right. You're never going to have the perfect year where everybody's excited to have you in all the time and everybody's learning things the first time you say them and it's, it's magical. That's very unlikely. So instead of waiting for that, take some action and choose one of these six methods to get into the classroom. And I'm going to reiterate them again to make sure that you you got them all, okay? The first one is clarify your role. The second, pop in to check on how they're doing as a person. The third is offer to read aloud. Four, start with a friendly Five, try goal setting with your whole campus. Six, listen for complaints. So those are six ways you can get into classrooms where the door has been closed. And if you are really struggling with a teacher and you feel like these ways might not be enough to get you in the door, I really want you to visit the show notes for this episode at buzzingwithmissb.com for episode 18, because this this opt-in for you that I've created is a coaching resistant teachers five days plus one challenge. And I have gotten so much feedback from people who have participated in this challenge because it has really helped them see their relationship with the teacher in a different way and make some changes to that relationship so they actually can make the coaching work happen. Because without a relationship, your coaching work goes nowhere. It's just like teaching, right? Relationships have to come first and it's an ongoing thing that we work with teachers on. So my main takeaway for you today that I really hope you walk away with, there are lots of ways to get in the door, right? With some purposeful thinking and planning, you can find a way to impact those tough classrooms, even if you feel like that teacher has been shutting you down. So your next steps are to choose one of these tips, your favorite one, and try it out this week. I want to hear how it goes. I want you to share this to Instagram, and I want you to hashtag it buzzing about coaching and tag me buzzing with Miss B so I can check out how you are implementing these ideas in your coaching work. All right. Happy coaching. Thank you for listening to buzzing with Miss B the coaching podcast. Want more coaching ideas? Check me out at buzzingwithmissb.com and on Instagram at buzzingwithmissb. If you love the show, share it with a coach who would love it too, or leave me a review on iTunes. It's free and it helps others find this show. Happy coaching. Happy coaching.